Well, hey, welcome to Center Point Church Online. I'm so glad that we're able to be together today for this weekend experience. And especially if you're new, I want to welcome you and say thanks for joining in. My name is John Hansen. I'm lead pastor of Center Point, and we're about life-changing connections. Our mission is loving and leading people to life-changing connection with Christ. And I'm praying that you begin to experience a life-changing connection. I also want to just say, as we're meeting online together, uh, greet each other, even in the chat. And if you see somebody having a prayer request, you can jump in even in the chat and pray for someone in their prayer request. And let's be the body of Christ together. Let's experience life-changing connections together. And I also want to just simply say thank you to you who are, who are giving. And your giving furthers the work of God through our church, and I'm grateful to you. And in just a moment, we will pray over the offerings that we're giving even this week. And if you're new, I want to simply invite you to connect with us. And there will be a link in the chat, uh, or you can just press the button to connect. But we'd love for you to let us know you're with us today. You can complete our online connection card, and that way we can follow up and get to know you a bit uh, and help you get connected for this spiritual journey that you're on. But would you take a moment now and consider your giving? Those of us who have given online already, let's pray over our giving. And for some of us, maybe today we would want to begin to give for the first time. You can do that uh, by going to mycenterpoint.tv and clicking on give. That's the easiest way to do it. Or you can just uh, text the word give to 1-951-397-2254. But right now, would you take a moment and let's pray together over our offering and over our hearts as we get ready to hear God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you. And together, let's just say that. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for everything you provide for us. Thank you, God, for every opportunity to work that we have. Thank you for every way in which our business and work life has flourished. To that degree, we have provision, and it ultimately comes from you, and we thank you for it, God. And so now, Lord, we give our tithes and offerings, and we we pray over the tithes and offerings that we have given. We consecrate them to you, Lord, for your glory, for your honor, for the advancing of your kingdom, and for many to know your amazing love. In Jesus' name we all pray. And you can just type in the comment, amen, amen. You can say it out loud at home too, amen, amen. Well, so, so you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had this noble idea. You know, I was out running errands and I thought, you know what, my wife is amazing. I should, I should get her some flowers. And so uh, while I was out doing my errands, I went in and picked up some flowers for my wife, some really pretty ones. They were white with red and pink edges to them, a dozen roses. And I was, you know, feeling grateful for my wife and how good she has been always. And especially, you know, at that time, you know, taking care of me a, a couple, a week before when I was sick. So I got these uh, beautiful roses, dozen roses, and I uh, carried them out to the car and I carefully put them in the back seat on the floor to make sure they wouldn't get damaged. And uh, and I went home. Well, so a few days later, I, I walked out to my, my car, and uh, two, no, three days later, walked out there, and I had to put something in the car, opened the back door, and you know what was still there on the floor in the backseat of my truck? The dozen roses. <laughs> Face palm moment, you know? It was one of those, what, what was I not thinking you know, kinds of moments, and uh, I, so I grabbed the roses, I took a good look at them, and I thought, well, yeah, 
you know, and and I picked off those dead leaves and peeled back those dead petals. And I I brought them into the house and Anne was in the kitchen and I said, I got you some roses. And she kind of looked at them with this, like, I don't know how to react right now because those are some wilted, sad looking roses. But I gave them to her anyway. I did my best to uh, prick them up a little bit, but I gave her these roses and, and she smiled and said, oh, you're so sweet. But go, don't worry, I didn't uh, totally you know, trick her or anything. I told her exactly what happened. And she still said, oh, you're so sweet. And she uh, uh, you know, put them uh, in a vase to humor me. And there they sat on the kitchen table reminding me of my total lack of follow through <laughs> for a few days. The moral of the story is don't forget the follow through. You know, it was a good intention, a good idea I had about bringing roses to my wife, but that intention also needed some follow through. And so I want you to know today, the title of my message is Don't Forget the Follow Through. And I want you to just, uh, if you've got somebody with you that you're experiencing this message with, would you just say out loud, tell them the title of my message and tell them, don't forget the follow through. Say it together with me. Don't forget the follow through. All right, we're going to be continuing right now in Supreme Overall Part 4. And so I want you to get ready to turn in the scriptures to Colossians 2. But as you're making your way to Colossians 2, here's what we've had so far in this series and in the book of Colossians. We we started out with the baseline truth. I'm changed and changing because of the gospel. That's where we began. That glorious truth that says he's transferred you out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of his son. We started there, this uh, proposition at the beginning that it's about changed and changing through the gospel. And then we continued uh, with this idea that we need to calibrate our life around faith in Christ for real. And we, we dwelt on those words that just described who Christ is as the image of the invisible God. And then we continued with, with this call uh, to continue to keep on going and growing for God's glory because Christ is in us. And, and so, so far in this series, most of what we've taken in has been all about Christ himself and all that he has done. And in what we're about to dive into and the rest of the series, there is now a pivot in the scripture and it begins to call us to the follow through. And so what has begun has been initiated by Jesus, the gospel, our salvation. It starts with him and then we get to follow through. So don't forget the follow through. And as we're jumping into Colossians 2, it's like as though Holy Spirit through Paul has made some assumptions about you. And the assumption is that you have understood the gospel, that there's an amazing gift from God, a free gift of salvation that you've believed in Jesus and what he's willing to do for you. And you've accepted him as Lord. That's kind of the assumption, it seems to be, that's, that's been made about me and you before we dive into Colossians chapter 2. And so we'll just jump into Colossians chapter 2 right now. Verse 6, it says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. You must continue to follow him as you accepted Christ Jesus as Lord. Just say out loud, Lord, Lord. Now, that's a word that we got to spend a little bit of time talking about. Um, you know, for a lot of us, 
Our experience of knowing Jesus may have begun when we were kids. And somebody taught us that there, were, there was an opportunity to invite Jesus in our hearts. And so we did that. And then years later, here we are, it stuck. And for others of us, uh, we were buried in shame, guilt, and, and someone said, hey, you can be forgiven. And we said, I want that for sure. And we believed in the forgiveness that we could receive through Jesus. And then years later, kind of here we are. Others of us, uh, you know, somebody laid out beautifully the, the logical plan of, of salvation. And we thought about it, and then we embraced the good logic of that plan. And we believed. And, and then years later, here we are. And those are good things, but God always has wanted more for us than just that we would uh, have Jesus accepted into our heart, and more for us just than that we would uh, receive the forgiveness that's available, more for us than that we would just embrace the beautiful logic of the heart of God for people to be saved. What God wants for you and me is to truly do what we just read and accept Christ Jesus as Lord. That is what God desires for you and me that we would accept Jesus as Lord. So say that word again, Lord, <laughs> Lord. You know what I, I was thinking? Probably a lot of us have uh, more experience with that word Lord in terms of its use as an expletive than anything else. I mean, it's a soft one, but, you know, people throw it out there all the time. Good Lord. Oh, my Lord. You know, and that kind of thing. Maybe others of us experience that word Lord uh, through through TV shows like Bridgerton or The Crown. And I don't know if if that kind of exposure to the word Lord really gives us the full sense of of what it means. But we need to understand it because it's crucial in our life of faith to know about this word and what it means that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because what God wants for you and me is to experience the reality of living most fully and freely. And this is the main idea of my message. It's a resolve, it's a declaration, and it's simply this. I live most fully and freely when I follow Jesus as Lord. I want you to say it with me one time, say it. I live most fully and freely when I follow Jesus as Lord. This is what God has for you and I, a fullness and a freedom that comes from following Jesus as Lord. So let's break down that word a little bit. It's the word kurios and in the ancient Greek text. And that word, it refers to and means a, a title of honor, which expresses respect and reverence. It is also a term that denotes belonging, as in one belongs to the one who is called Lord. It, it expresses that the one by that title has the ability to control. This word kurias comes from the root word kuras, which means supreme. And that's the thesis of this whole series that we're going through in Colossians. Jesus is supreme over all. That is what he is. And, and here's the thing. If Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, things change. And I want you to just say this out loud. Say, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Say it with me. Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Now, that is a powerful declaration to make. And some of us are wondering if we should or shouldn't make that declaration. But here's the deal. If Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, 
then things begin to look differently for you. If Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, you don't just give in to whatever impulse you happen to have. Instead, you follow the leading of his spirit as he guides and directs your life. If Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, you don't just say whatever you want. You sometimes constrain yourself out of love for others. If Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, you forgive like Jesus forgave. If Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, you don't just give in to the devil's temptations, but you take your lead from Jesus and you follow his lead in resisting the schemes and temptations of the devil. If Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, you walk in the power and authority of Jesus to kick out demonic darkness wherever you find it. If Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, you live out God's power and blessing everywhere you go like Jesus did. If Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, you openly declare the way of salvation and the blessing of the kingdom of God for people that are outside of it and don't know it. If Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, you don't settle for trying to overturn Rome. You follow Jesus into his kingdom which is not of this world so that you can ultimately overthrow hell come on somebody and type amen because this is what you're made for if jesus christ is lord of your life you're made for something different something powerful something out of this world I say it again, Jesus Christ is lord of my life just say it with me jesus christ is lord of my life glory to god let me keep reading colossians 2 uh, verse 7, it says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now, drill down with me on that just for a moment. And would you say out loud the first part of verse 7 with me? Ready? Go. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Let your roots grow down into him. I just want you to imagine for a moment two trees. Just picture two trees. Okay, the first tree, imagine it like this. It, it's got roots that are going deep, 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 down through the sand and silt and down into the, the deep levels where uh, some of the little roots are even into the water table. And, and that tree has this thick, massive trunk and these wide branches and green leaves flourishing. And you look at that tree and you go, that tree can endure. If it doesn't rain for a whole year, it's, it's got access to a source anyway. If the winds start blowing, and that, that thing's fine. Okay, the other tree. The other tree, its roots are just kind of right at the surface, just right there in the uh, sandy, loose soil it's got a pretty narrow trunk. It's got some really slim branches and just a few leaves in it. Which tree do you want to be? <laughs> it's really no question, huh? Be the first tree. I think that's the kind of thing that the scripture is calling for here is that we would have roots in our spiritual life, roots in our faith that are going down deep and deeper into a life with God. I want to challenge you to let your spiritual roots go deeper into a real and authentic life with God. You go beyond superficial religiosity and into a real 
life with God. Send your roots deeper into the reality of supernatural power and encounter. Send your roots deeper into the word of God really having a place in your life. Send your roots deeper into the persevering strength that you will need. Send your roots deeper into a passion for blessing people in the name of Jesus and exerting the goodness and love and power of the kingdom of God wherever you can. Send your roots deeper into the values of the kingdom of God. Send your roots deeper into the flow of God's love. This is what I'm asking you to embrace is that you live most fully and freely when you follow Jesus as Lord. And for that to happen, the depths that are available to you need to be reached into. Let me ask you a question. It's a discipleship question. And I want you to think about it for a moment. What would be some choices that you could make that would lead to your spiritual roots going down deeper? What would be some choices you could make that would lead to your spiritual roots going down deeper? I want you to consider that question. And it's okay with me if you check out for a a few minutes and write some answers to that. That needs to happen for you to really experience the full and free life that comes through following Jesus as Lord. I'm going to keep going here in in Colossians 2 verses 8 and following. It says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Okay, I want, I want to just remind you of the big picture here. This is, this is an actual letter written from the Apostle Paul by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to a group of people in a place called Colossae. And so the Colossian people, they, they were in a particular context. You got to put yourself in the, their shoes for just a moment because they were surrounded by people who ardently believed in all the Greek gods. I mean, from Zeus all the way down to Artemis and everybody in between. They were surrounded by people who spent hours of their week offering sacrifices to those gods. They were in a place in in Colossae near Ephesus that was deeply steeped in the Greek philosophies. I mean, I'm talking about the best of the best. Socrates, Aristotle, Plato, those kinds of ideas permeated their whole culture you better believe there was immense pressure on the Colossian people to just walk and keep in line with all of those things. But here, the Holy Spirit through Paul says, no, don't bow down to it. Don't bow down to it as appealing as it might be, as popular as it might be. Even though there seems to be a vast majority of people going that way, Holy Spirit is saying, no, Don't give in to it. Even uses the language, don't let yourself be captured. Don't let yourself be captured by those things. Now, we live in a different day and age, and it's not so much about Socrates and Aristotle and Plato and Zeus and Artemis. It's, It's not that. But we have our own whole pantheon of false gods and what the scripture called high sounding nonsense. 
And it comes up in every generation in different ways. I think about my own father back in the day before he gave his life to Jesus. He had all of these books from these different yogis. And back in his day in the 60s and 70s, that was what was enticing to a lot of people is these uh, mystical Eastern yogis. And he had stacks of books in in these things and the new age practices taught by the yogis. And I, I remember the day after my father gave his life to Jesus and was confronted with the reality of the tension between that stuff and Jesus as Lord that he finally literally threw those books away in the trash because he recognized those things had, uh, in a a sense, attempted to capture him, and it was time to be fully alive and fully free in Jesus as Lord. But, you know, fast forward a few years, and you've got people like Oprah, and this is more in the 90s, but kind of putting it out there with figures like Eckhart Tolle and others, and, and, and in that time, it seemed like the idea was the secret high-sounding nonsense is what it was. And these days, people talk about all kinds of gurus online talking about manifesting the universe and whatever else. It's high-sounding nonsense is what it is. And sometimes you need to allow the scriptures to speak boldly into the reality of what's going on in this world. And even though it's dominant in the culture and popular at large, that doesn't mean it's right for you and me who follow Jesus as Lord. And we embrace this idea, I live most fully and freely when I follow Jesus as Lord. So that means I need to set aside that uh, manifest the universe stuff. I'm going to cast down the horoscopes and the idols and the Reiki and the whatever else that might have gotten a hook into me. I'm done with it. Somebody right now, you need to say, I'm done with it. And you know exactly what it is. You've wondered about it. You've walked the line with it. And today, hear the word of God. It's calling you to not be captured any longer by that kind of nonsense, high-sounding nonsense. And it, it, it runs even into, into the, all the isms that are part of the culture and the world around us today. Throw them down. Throw them down. I want you to hear verse 10 again. It said, you are complete through your union with Christ, who's the head over every ruler and authority. Can I just say that to you again? Verse 10, you are complete through your union with Christ, who's the head over every ruler and authority. What we found in this scripture is is that this high-sounding nonsense was not innocent. It it said it, it comes from the spiritual powers of this world. And... It's important that we recognize that and turn from that. I've got a question for you. And the question is this. It's a discipleship question. I want you to think about it and maybe ask it of yourself. What are some examples of tempting but empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that you see in the world around you? What are some examples of those things? It's time to recognize them for what they are and not be captured by them anymore, and instead to recognize I'm complete through my union with Christ. Now, I want you to just say that phrase. It came from verse 10. I want you to just say it with me. I am complete through my union with Christ. Say it one more time. I am complete through my union with Christ. One more time. Say it with me. Say it with me. I am complete through my union with Christ. Jesus is enough. 
I don't need the empty philosophies. I don't need the false idols. I don't need those isms and schisms. I am complete through my union with Christ. Doesn't it feel good to know that there is sufficiency in Jesus, that he's the one who is above them all, supreme over them all anyway, and you are complete in your union with him. I got to keep reading verse 11 and following. Okay, so verse 11 says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature that had not yet been cut away. And then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Ah, oh, there's so much here. I got to just tell you, sometimes when we do a series like this through a book of the Bible, I come away and I hear someone saying, hey, you forgot to say, and then fill in the blanks with whatever it is. The truth is, uh, a 35-minute sermon uh, could never express all of the depth and richness. It would take 35 hours to mine the gold here, but uh, it's okay. I want to zero in on the things that uh, seem to be coming from the Holy Spirit as what needs emphasis. And, and the first thing that jumps out at me is that word circumcision. Now, I know this is a little bit awkward on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning and uh, just in a church meeting, even if it is online, to talk about circumcision, but... Got to go there for a minute. I remember with both of my sons the day they were circumcised. And I remember one of my sons in particular. It was about a week after his birth, and it was time for the, uh, the, the, the fateful day. Uh, and uh, I remember going to the hospital where they were going to do that, uh, that procedure. And I remember just kind of shuddering as I was walking in, carrying my, uh, my son. And uh, I, I, was, I was thinking about what was about to happen, and, and I handed the, my son to the doc, and uh, she said, well, we're, we're going to head into the room where we're going to do the procedure. Would you like to come and, 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 and observe? And now my shudder turned into a bit of a shiver. You know? <laughs> come on, brothers, you know what I'm, I'm talking about. There's a kind of a feeling that goes with a moment like this. And I said, oh, okay, you know. And, and when I walked into that room, my shudder that had turned into a shiver was now turning into a tremble. <laughs> and then she took about uh, this device, this tubular metal device with a blade in it. And as she turned around, I swear I heard her say, <laughs> okay, she didn't do that. But in my mind, in my soul, that's what was taking place. Anyway, she put this tubular device on my son. And then she turned to me and said, would you like to do the honors? I said, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, no honors. <laughs> it was hard enough to just watch. Anyway, uh, the procedure was carried out, and my son, who had been lying peacefully and quietly, screamed and didn't stop after this uh, procedure took place. What happened that day marked my son for life, and <laughs> probably there won't be a day that goes by 
that he isn't reminded in some way that he's been marked for life. And this circumcision thing, even though some would debate, you know, whether it's uh, it's appropriate or not, whatever, we go back to the the Bible, and we find that from the earliest times, circumcision was actually a very important part of the dynamic of God's people. It was one of the earliest signs of covenant. It was one of the earliest signs of, of people being marked as belonging to the Lord, God Almighty. And so there's this, this reference that Paul uses to circumcision, which is really important because the understanding that Paul would have and that any of us who really are embracing the scriptural narrative have is that it's about belonging and identity and covenant with God. But that old covenant in the Old Testament had to do with, you gotta do, and then on comes the list. And so Paul here, by the inspiration of the Spirit, is saying, yes, 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 this is about covenant. Yes, this is about your identity being marked for all eternity as one who belongs to God, but it is no longer about what you're going to do. It's about what has been done for you. If you follow the whole argument, it goes all the way from the circumcision and the blood of circumcision right to the bloodshed on the cross. And with the ultimate conclusion that it is the bloodshed on the cross that accomplishes your right standing in covenant, in perfect new identity as a daughter of God, a son of God. And I'm grateful for that moment. I'm grateful for what it means. But I want you to zero in also on these three elements of new life that, that, were, that were drawn attention to. Using the metaphor of baptism, it says you've been raised to new life. And I want you to just embrace that for a second and say it about yourself. I've been raised to new life. Just say it with me. I've been raised to new life. God didn't want you to just embrace the message of salvation so that you could have the hope that you would go to heaven one day when you die only. God wants for that to be your inheritance, yes, but also a here and now ability to live in new life. And so the reference to baptism is about the prophetic power of God that comes upon a person who believes in Jesus to live a completely different kind of life than the one they lived before. And we may trip up, we may have moments of messing up royally, but, but we have a capacity at every turn to live a new life, a new life. And don't miss the part that talked about all your sins have been forgiven, all of them. I want you to just say this, all my sins have been forgiven. Say it with me. All my sins have been forgiven. Yes, the ones that you have publicly made known years ago, the ones you're comfortable talking about with a few people in a small group, and the ones you haven't even uttered with your own lips yet. All your sins, forgiven. <laughs> yeah, right now I think we gotta just say thank you. Thank you for forgiving all my sins. I mean, this is part of what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, and I, I live most fully and most freely when I follow Jesus as Lord, and I follow him as Lord into that reality that I'm forgiven, fully forgiven. And that third focus was that I'm alive with Christ. I want you to say this with me. I'm alive with Christ. Say it. I'm alive with Christ. One more time, just say it. I'm alive with Christ. And I'm emphasizing the with, because I want you and me to, to embrace this truth that we're never alone. 
whatever we've got to face, whatever we're dealing with, whatever challenge we're coming up against, we're alive with Christ as we come to that mountain and speak to it and tell it to move. So this is the, the beauty of God's word is this picture of freedom that's there for us. I'm most fully alive and free when I follow Jesus as Lord. Let me keep going. I got to chase this down in record time here in Colossians 2 verse 16. It says, so don't let anybody condemn you for how you eat or what you drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths, for these rules are only shadows of the reality to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Ooh, I want you to just say that Christ himself is that reality. Christ himself is that reality. Verse 18, don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying that they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. And they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows, and as God nourishes it, you have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Conquering evil desires is something that must occur. But the notion that any of us are going to conquer evil desires by how religious we're going to be is a fallacy. The way we conquer evil desires is by burying ourselves in Christ who alone conquers the evil one and conquers the devil on our behalf. The way we conquer evil desires is by falling to the foot of the cross of Jesus and embracing what he's done for us. Okay, so there's this reference in what we've just read to the rules. And let me just say, the rules matter. The rules have their place. The rules have their place in the Old Testament. You read through the Old Testament, you recognize there's a lot of rules here. And the rules have their place in expressing the high standard that God has for his people. The rules have their place in, in bringing forward the high calling God has in mind for his people. The rules have their place in expressing the heart of God for the kind of morality that he has in mind and desires for his people. But we recognize that all of the rules, if it were up to us, would just crush us. But Jesus fulfills all of those rules on our behalf so we can be truly free. And I am most fully alive and fully free when I follow Jesus as Lord into that freedom that he's won for me at the cross. You know, Jesus reserved his strongest words for religious people. In Matthew 23, eight times, he says, woe to you, religious people, scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees. And, and he's railing against them for their hypocrisy, railing against them for trying to make it about the rule keeping, 
When he has come to set the record straight to say the rule keeping days are complete. I want you to embrace relationship with me as your highest ideal and your greatest priority. This is the goodness of God for us, is that there's an invitation to know Jesus, to know him as, as Savior, as Lord, and to find real freedom and life to the full following him as Lord. I remember when I lived in China, I, I went to a, a Buddhist temple, and this was in the south of China, and I was mesmerized by watching all of these monks walking around in their orange robes. And there was a, a beauty about it. And the sounds of the bells that were ringing, there was something uh, it, intriguing and, and poetic about it all. And, but I looked and everybody was lining up to make way for this one guy who was coming into the temple area. And, and this man was crawling on his hands and knees. And every step he would stand up and put his hands in the air and then sink to his knees again and then crawl another step and repeat. And when I saw him as he got a little closer, you could see that his knees were bloody, bloody, dripping down uh, to, to his feet. And one of the people that was with me explained and said, yeah, he's come from another temple that I can't remember. I think it was like 37 miles away. And they said for uh, a number of weeks, he has been crawling on his knees just like that from that temple to this one as a way of appeasing uh, Buddha. And then this is a, a, a kind of a mixture, obviously, in, in terms of the belief systems. But this group of people in that area felt they needed to appease the spirits or whatever. And that he needed to do that by crawling into the point of bleeding. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the goodness of God in Jesus Christ, that he did the bleeding on my behalf so that I could do the free living. And so the message today has been uh, simply and straightforward. I live most fully and freely when I follow Jesus as Lord. And I want to call everyone who's a believer back to that place of embracing the glorious freedom we have in Jesus, setting aside anything that would take us away from that glorious freedom. But Colossians 2.6, let me just put this before you again. Colossians 2.6 says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. So believers, I'm asking you to continue to follow him. But for somebody who's joined us today for this online experience, the truth is you need to have a moment where once and for all you could accept Christ Jesus as Lord. To actually, for once and for all, give your life to Jesus. To ask him to forgive you and to save you. And so today I want to ask you to pray with me and in particular, I want to ask you to pray with me if you've never said yes to Jesus, this would be the greatest thing you could ever do to embrace his free gift of salvation that would empower you to live fully alive and fully free, free from the weight of shame and guilt, free from sin, free from the bondage of death and the threat of hell, free to live with the power of God here and now rising up in you at every turn. I want that for you. 
And so I want you to pray with me and let's see if the stirring of God might come upon some of us to once and for all say yes to Jesus. Would you pray with me right now? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. And I pray, Father, that your word would come to life for some of us right now in a way that would finally set us free from the bondage of shame and guilt and sin and death and the threat of hell and everything in between. I pray right now for that awakening for somebody who's just come with me on this journey and heard this message today. If you're listening right now as I'm praying and you would say, I need to accept Jesus as Lord. I don't think I've ever done that. I've never said yes to Jesus as my Savior, my Lord. I want to encourage you to do it right now. And if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, to receive from him the gift of the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, Right now, I want you to click the button that says, I'm committing my life to Jesus. Or if you're in another uh, platform, you can just type into the comments, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I need to give my life to Jesus. Would you just let it be known? We want to pray with you that that relationship would truly begin. Don't hold back. Your, Your eternal gift of salvation awaits. Would you receive it today? Would you just type that in? If you've never done this before, say it. I'm giving my life to Jesus. And I want you to pray with me right now where you are and just say something like this. You say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Begin right there with me. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I'm turning from my sin. I repent of it. And I turn away from my own attempts to do life on my own and and call my own shots. I want you to be Lord. Jesus, I turn to you. And I believe in you. I believe that you paid the price for my sin when you died on the cross. And I'm asking you you to forgive me and save me right now. Jesus, I'm yours. And you are mine, my Savior and my Lord from this moment forward. Thank you for this gift of new life. I receive it now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, uh, you can sit up for a moment, but I want us to pray a, a little bit longer. We're having a time together in the presence of God. And so church, come to spiritual attention. I know it's been a long message, but keep praying with me for a moment longer. Would you? Would you join me? God, thank you for what you did in this past week. When we, when we were thinking about this past week, we didn't know what might happen, how things might unfold. But God, you extended your hand of peace on our nation, and we are grateful. God, we really are grateful. We didn't want to see any more turmoil and burnings and riots and any of that, and we didn't, and we're grateful, God. So thank you. Just say it to him right now. Thank you for the peace in our nation, in Jesus' name. And now I want to push some of us a step further because the scriptures say pray for those in authority over you. And if you haven't done so yet, I want to invite you to join me to pray for our new president and vice president. It is good and right to do this. We need our nation to be blessed. And part of that includes whether you and I would be obedient to the simple call from God to pray for those in authority over us. So would you join me? And let's pray for our new president and vice president. Would you join me for that? Father in heaven, thank you for a peaceful transition of power in our nation. And we embrace that we have a new president and vice president and lots of other leaders. But together, right now, God, we want to pray your blessing on our new president, Joe Biden, and on our new Vice President, Kamala Harris. We ask your blessing on these new leaders of ours, God. 
We believe, Lord, that you are able to work through any of us. And so we're asking that you work through these new leaders for our nation, for your glory, God, and for our good. So we're asking for that in Jesus' name. And for some of us, we're eager and ready to say amen. Others of us, I'm pushing you a little, and I'm asking you to consider the righteousness of of asking God for this blessing and join me to say amen. Amen. And one more moment longer. We're not quite done. Hold on, hold on. Lord Jesus, in this moment, if you have anything else you want to do while we're gathering in, in your presence, would you reveal that right now? God, in particular, I'm asking for you to release a, a, a prophetic sense of hope into our hearts. Right now, I pray you just do that, Lord Jesus, because we need it. Uh, while we're praying together, for some of us in this moment, what you need to do is say, Father, would you give me that hope? Just say it with me. Father, would you give me that hope? And take a deep breath in. <sighs> you know, as we did that together in this moment, what I felt in my spirit is like this, uh, this, this warm cloud of gold is what it seemed like in my mind's eye, just beginning to fill some of us at the deepest level of our being, bringing a soothing, bringing a calming, bringing a deep inner sense of peace where we had embraced or experienced turmoil and chaos before. And so right now, would you just say, I receive that in Jesus' name for me and for my family. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, is there anything else you want to do? Any bodies you want to touch? Any specific word you want to release? Would you do it now, Lord? Okay, I want to ask for members of our prayer team right now uh, to type into the comments the and I'm specifically center point prayer people, right? Type into the comment the prophetic vision or word you've just received because I know you have. Would you please put that into the comments and, and share that with our community as a blessing and encouragement and edification? Thank you, Lord. I pray for your healing power to come upon any of us who are sick. I pray for your breakthroughs that we need to begin to be released in our lives. And I pray your blessing over your church body in Jesus' mighty name. Let's worship together, church.